0: church, Northwest Baptist, and made it our church home, and uh, have just really enjoyed plugging in. Our kids have been all in the Awana program and the youth program and middle school and high school, and uh, they're all kind of in different places uh, most of the Sundays, so in the back there is our oldest son, Joshua. I don't know if you have our picture, Josh, but he's working the slides today. He's out in the back booth there. Um, He's... uh, 18. He's been part of the youth group. He helps co-lead the Sunday morning Bible study for high school kids with my wife, Stacy. And so he's been doing that. He's going to Grand Canyon University in the fall. So if anyone wants to work the tech booth, he needs a replacement starting in the fall there. Um, our daughter, Meredith, is 16. She helps in the nursery a couple times a month. And she is a Fur Creek counselor this summer. And so she's been away from our house, sadly for us. But I think she's really enjoying her time there and ministering to kiddos. And then Caleb is our 14-year-old. He's going into high school, and you'll see Caleb occasionally on stage here um, playing worship. He and I get to do that together a couple times a month. And then Matthew is our youngest, going into seventh grade. He's going to be at uh, Bellingham Christian School, and uh, but he likes to pick up after church, and he'll be collecting your old communion cups here on the way out tonight uh, or after the church. So. So that's our family. How did I get up here? So in January, I started my first term as an elder here at Northwest Baptist. And so a couple months ago, Ryan called and said, hey, I'm looking for someone to cover this July 3rd uh, Sunday. Would you be willing to do that? And my initial gut reaction, I didn't verbalize it, but my initial gut reaction is, no way. No way. I've never been trained. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I've never done this, and so there's just, that is not something. But what do you do when someone asks you if you want to do something and you want to be a good Christian about it? What do you say? I'll pray about it. That's right. You got it right. Yes, Ryan, I will pray about it going the whole time. I'll just tell them in a week or two, no, right? That's what's going to happen. Well, um, actually, what was really cool was that God just seemed to give me uh, a sense of, you know what? You need to step out of your comfort zone. You need to try this. Um, The church needs someone to serve, and, you know, I'm calling you to do it. So, uh, and I got real peace and comfort about that, uh, even though I've not really ever done this. And so we're going to see what happens together. So thanks for being gracious. I know this is a really gracious church, and so it will be a great time to try that. So... um, Yeah, so I said yes, and then it was kind of like, all right, well, what am I going to give a sermon on? I'm like, well, I want to pick something nice and easy, not controversial, nothing that will be too in-your-face or, you know, poke at the sleeping bear. And so what the Lord started to put on my heart was the topic of money and giving. I'm like, oh, no, really? Okay. Um, Why money and giving? And really, I think uh, this is a topic that's really hard for some churches to talk about. Um, And there's a a lot of different reasons why. Churches don't want to come across as being self-interested or greedy or in it for the money. I mean, we don't want to talk about it like that and give the wrong impression. Some churches have a doctrine or a theology that's just kind of gone off and, and it's gotten skewed, right? And so some people don't want to be misconstrued and think about, you know, if we preach about what the Bible says about money, that someone might misunderstand it and think that we're part of, you know, a doctrine that's kind of out there. Um, you know, sometimes pastors might get some feedback. Hey, you're just talking about money because you're dependent on, upon the money, you know, that you raise from your congregation. And so what I thought would be really great is, you know, I'm, I'm just a member of the church, right? And, um, and, and this is something that I think the Lord has so much to say in Scripture. And so we just want to go to Scripture and let it shape us. And uh, we'll see where it goes. And so if you're a guest here or you're not used to coming to church and you came and picked a week where we're going to talk about money, uh, I'm glad you're here. This isn't about extracting your money today and trying to get it to this local church. This is really about us just submitting ourselves to scripture, hearing what it says. And we're all in this. We're going to learn what God says to us. And I I just trust that God will work in each one of our hearts individually based on where we're at. So that's what we're going to do. If you don't mind, let me just spend a minute in prayer and then we'll get going. So. God, thank you for your grace in our lives. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you this morning. Thank you for the chance to study your word. Lord, we just give you this time, and we pray that you'd use it. Work in our hearts. We pray in your name. Amen. Okay, well, we have an outline. I hope that many of you got it. Um, I know they were being passed out on the way, so um, if you don't, there may be a few copies laying around. I don't know if that's true or not, but um, hopefully you can get it. And I did that because if you looked at all these little blue tabs, these are all the scriptures we're going to today. So there's a lot of them, and we're going to hit them pretty quick. And I didn't want to get lost in the kind of all the different scriptures. I wanted those to be in front of people, and we might want to go back afterwards and take a look at it. So um, we're going to just talk about this concept of giving and money and answer the questions, who, what, when, why, where, and how. And by doing that, I think uh, we'll just be able to explore these different aspects. We have a statement here uh, that is the result of looking and answering uh, those questions, looking at and answering those questions. So here's the main idea for today. God's people are called to sacrificial, joyful, faithful giving, and given the privilege of witnessing God convert our worldly currency into kingdom currency. There's a lot there. that's trying to be a synthesized statement from a lot of the scripture we're going to be looking at here. So we're going to start with who, that first part, God's people. And so we're going to just see from the beginning of mankind, God's people have affirmed that God is the provider of all things and acknowledged his provision by offering a portion back to him. So that first scripture that we see, it starts right in the very beginning of scripture in Genesis chapter 4. So if you want to turn to there, that's great. We're going to have the verses there too. If you're one of these people that like to turn through the scriptures, um, we're trying to do that, but you're going to be flipping fast. So uh, hopefully uh, I give you the ones ahead so you can look ahead and get ready to go because we're going to go through these pretty quick. But here in uh, verse 3 and 4 of chapter 4 of Genesis, you say, "...in the course of time came brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground," And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. Really simple, short verse here. But you see, Cain and Abel, Adam and Eve's sons, in the beginning of time, start bringing and offering a portion back to God. Why? Why? Scripture doesn't actually clearly state that. You can hypothesize a number of different things. They were in relationship with God, and God was providing for them. You know, Cain, the keeper of the fields, Abel, the keeper of the flocks. But they were starting to offer a portion back in some sort of acknowledgement or worship back to the Lord. A little bit further in Genesis, you see uh, Jacob is encountering God through a dream in his sleep, and he wakes up, and his response is this, uh, responsive worship and desire to give back to the Lord and, and so there's, we can look at this verse in Genesis 28 verses 20 through 22. Then Jacob made a vow saying if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace then the Lord shall be my God and this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house and all that you give me I will give a full tenth to you. This idea of the tenth, or the tithe, starts to emerge here, and it's just another example of this idea of giving back to the Lord. He recognizes the Lord was giving him clothing and food and relationship with God and relationship with others, and he said, I'm going to respond back by giving a portion of that. Then you can see this becoming solidified more in the, uh, the law, So in many different places in the Old Testament law, you see God commanding his people to give tithes and offerings. And I just selected two verses here. You could do a whole myriad of of searches into the law and and find these. But Leviticus uh, 27, and we're going to read verse 30 and 32 here. Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. And in 32, and every tithe of herds and flocks, every tenth animal of all that pass under the herdsman's staff, shall be holy to the Lord. So the Lord starts to really solidify and establish this concept of tithing and offering back to him in the law for his people. Then you can flip through, there's a number of other chapters, but we're going to just kind of carry this all the way through to Malachi here, which is the very last of the Old Testament prophets. So if you go to Malachi, it's the last statement that God makes before John the Baptist and the Lord comes to the earth. And uh, you kind of just say, okay, now it's been hundreds of years. He's given the law to his Israelites, God's people, and uh Does he still care about the tithe and offerings? Did this just fade away? Was this just kind of a fad? What does he have to say about it? And this is a a chapter we're going to look at a little bit here, and then we're going to come back to it in a little bit further down. But this is just a really interesting conviction that God is speaking to God's people about this concept of the tithe. It says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. For the days of your fathers... From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Again, we'll get back into the next couple of verses, too, in a little bit. But you see this concept that God is saying, I still care about the tithe, the full tithe. Bring it in and just put me to the test. I will bless you. So he still has this heart for his people to be providing this tithe and the offerings back to him. So then you might ask yourself, okay, that's great. So from the beginning, Cain and Abel, you see this pattern established through Genesis. You see it through the law. You see it in the prophets that are challenging God's people to continue to give. Is this something that we're still called to today? Are God's people today still called to the tithe? Well, it's an interesting question. And so for that, we're going to go to the next section in the outline for if you're following along into the what part here. And so... You know, one of the things that I think we start to see in the New Testament is that we're called to sacrificial, joyful giving. And it's not bound by rules and formulas. It's kingdom focused. And we'll get into that, what that means a little bit. So we're not targeting a certain formula that makes it just right. That's not God's heart. God's heart is a sacrificial, joyful giver. And so, um, you know, I think this concept is, uh, of sacrificial can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So I just wanted to start by acknowledging that we're probably all in very different places in this room. For some, they, uh, you, know, you may never have been taught or grown up or started to, to do this discipline of giving. So it might be very new and it might be like really hard to think about how even to get started. For others, it might be, you know, I've got a little bit here and there, and I kind of contribute when I can, and I'll put a little bit in when, it's, when, it's, when I have the opportunity to do so. For others, you've really kind of um, solidified on the concept of trying to give 10% of your income, and so you've made a way to do that, you've, you've budgeted for that, and that's kind of, that's the mark that you've set for yourself, and you've been doing that. For others, you've pushed yourself to go beyond that and to try and stretch yourself year after year and grow that and, and you have a, a different outcome than that. Like you just keep pushing that. So knowing that you're, you know, you're wherever you're at, um, we're gonna just kind of talk about this concept of sacrificial uh, and joyful giving. Um, and I just wanted to say one thing too. I think uh, you know the tithe can often, we talk about the tithe, but the tithe was part of what the uh, Israelites were asked to do, right? They had tithes. They had offerings on top of that for the different festivals and they had alms. and they, So when you added all that up, it actually 10% was just the beginning part, right? There was a lot of other stuff that came with it. And so th- this concept is, all right, so what do we give here? How do we do that? And I think um, there's a really, really great example that uh, Paul uses in his letter to the Corinthians, his second letter to Corinthians in the scripture, it's 2 Corinthians 8. And he's writing to the Corinthian church to encourage them about their giving and he uses the example of the Macedonian church that um, had recently just uh, been participating in a gift. And so I'm going to flip there, and we're going to read this scripture together here. It says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. What an incredible picture of uh, this, this idea of being sacrificial, giving beyond their means, actually begging to do it. What a, what a just a great, uh, unbelievable picture of God's grace. You know, I think about this, if I just take an aside, and I think about the gospel and how the gospel message makes impossible things possible, right? The, when God works in your heart, uh, we have this, when we give ourselves to God first, he gives us this great gift of eternal salvation, but on top of that, and, and with all this extra, you know, we get eternal salvation. But with God's grace, it just keeps coming. For some people, He's able to break addictions, long-held addictions. For other people, this angry, hard heart can be broken down, and you can have a soft heart. Broken relationships can be restored. You know, God can do impossible things. And it's just what struck me about this verse. Is that God did an impossible thing in the Macedonian Church in this context it was around their desire to give He gave a church that was poor and struggling the ability to be sacrificial and to give beyond their means to meet the needs of other saints around them it 's just this, the gospel just changes people it infuses people with god 's grace and goodness and I love this this story, this example you know a little bit further down in this letter, we see another example of this where Paul continues to to write to the Corinthians. And it's a, it's a scripture that's often used when we're talking about giving, and uh, it's in Second Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 9. It says, The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, He has distributed freely, He has given to the poor, and His righteousness endures forever. You know, this, this concept of bountifully, it's sacrificial, not being compelled to do it. It's got this idea of just breaking past rules and formulas. I have to do it, and I have to do it at this amount and this percentage or whatever. It's past that, right? It's God allowing you to be a cheerful giver, to give bountifully and to be able to reap bountifully from that. Just love that. The the third verse in this section around just this concept is coming from First Timothy verse, uh, chapter 6 verses 17, oh, sorry, yeah, verses 17 through 19. And this is a letter that Paul's writing to Timothy to encourage him and he ends the letter like this As for the rich in this present age, charge them then not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and willing to share. Thus, storing up treasure for themselves is a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Being commanded to be generous, and willing to share you know so this picture that starts to emerge is this idea of sacrificial and joyful giving. You know, I just thought I'd share a story that really uh, made a mark on my wife and I as we were young marrieds. Um, I had, was saved in college through a ministry called University Christian Fellowship, and the University Christian Fellowship workers have to raise support in order to be on staff, and uh, it was such a meaningful part of my college experience that after college. Uh, I was thinking about, is this a vocation for me? Is this something that God might be calling me to go be part of and to go on staff within uh, this this ministry? Um, The problem was I was a brand new believer. I had no Christian network at all, had no ability to raise any sort of funding. So for me to go on staff would be like, (laughs) I just don't know how to make that happen. And I was explaining that to one of the staff workers that um, was uh, involved in my uh, life and and my uh, coming to Christ. And she said, hey, I want you to meet a a particular individual that's a friend of mine, a donor for me. I just want you to go sit down and have this conversation. So, uh, you know, we went and met with this guy, and he was a successful trader from the Chicago Board of Trade. And through the course of our conversation, he was offering a very... Generous amount of support for a kid he never even met. He never had met me before. And uh, in, in kind of understanding that and getting his story, he was like, you know, God challenged me a long time ago to, uh, to go beyond the tithe, to keep being more and more generous each year, to, to train myself, to move myself to a different place every year. And so, so every year, if I got a raise and I didn't need it, you know, I'd say, okay, now instead of 10%, I'm going to give 13 or 14% this next year. I don't need it. And by the time we had sat down and met with him, he was giving 50% of his income. And he wasn't doing it in a prideful way. He was just saying, what he was express, expressing this fantastic freedom he found in being able to give. And he's like, this is what allows me to have conversations like this and to encourage young people who I've never even met before to go into the ministry and to make it possible for them that well, there's no other way. And the reason is because God's just been so good to me, and I can, I can just see every year that when I've prioritized growing my generosity towards God and his kingdom work, God responding in these awesome ways. And so, like, we left and we're like, wow, we, you know, the tithe was kind of like our thing, right? You know, 10%, that was, that was, the, that was the mark, right? And we left out of that going, wow, that was really compelling. Really compelling, and it really challenged us as we... Uh, grew in our marriage to be not constrained artificially by, you know, a rule and a formula. Let God work in your heart. Hey God, what do you want to do here? You know, it, maybe it's like this year I can maybe squeeze in another half percent or a one percent or something. Yeah, I don't know. It's like between you and God, right? But it's like allowing God to, to take that and not be bound by that rule and that formula and just see what God does with that. I think it's a, it was just a remarkable story and I was so thankful that he caught me with that early in our marriage life. All right, so kingdom, uh, kingdom focused, not rules and formulas. That's what we're called to, sacrificial and joyful giving. So then the question about when. So when do we give? Well, um, the idea here is faithful. It's got recurrence. It's got frequency that comes part of it. And so why is that? And I think it's because the Lord is constantly and faithfully providing for us. So our opportunity to give back to him is faithful. We do it because he does it for us. And the main concept that I wanted to pull into this part was really around this concept of first fruits. First fruits is this kind of, we'll read a couple of scriptures about it, but it's like the idea that God and giving back to the Lord comes first. It's the first thing we want to do. God provides for us. We say, God, thank you. Here's a portion back to you. Thank you for blessing me. Thank you for providing me. That's what we see in scripture. It's not the afterthought. It's not if I have a little bit here and there. Or, oh, you know what? It's been six months. And I totally haven't even work, you know, thought about it. It's the first thing that I want to do when I get provided for by the Lord. And so we have um, some scriptures here that just kind of help unpack this a little bit. So Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty. And your vats will be bursting with wine. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. There's another one in Nehemiah chapter ten. We just uh, were talking about Nehemiah here, uh, this last series that Pastor Ryan was doing. Nehemiah ten thirty five says we obligate ourselves to bring bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all fruit of every tree year by year to the house of the Lord. Again, this idea that this is not just a one-off thing that Solomon was doing; these are that God's people were continuing to offer the first fruits. Ezekiel forty-four is the next one that I wanted to cover, and that is in uh, chapter forty-four, verse thirty. And the first fruits of all the first fruits of all kinds of every offering of all kinds from all your offerings shall belong to the priests. You shall also give to the priests the first of your dough, that a blessing may rest on your house. Okay, so you get this concept that starts to emerge around it. It comes first. That's when we do it, and we do it because the Lord provides for us. Um, You know, there's also a um, a correlation in my mind to uh, other spiritual disciplines, other things that we are called to do as Christians: prayer, fasting, serving. You know, these kinds of things. Uh, we don't just do it once a year and just kind of walk away from it, right? We don't say, oh, I met with the Lord, that's great. Um, there's this idea of frequency and routine. Why? Because it just kind of builds this relationship. It builds this connection to what God's doing in our lives. And in this case of giving, it just, it's this constant reminder in our own hearts, God, I know that you're providing. It just gives us that right perspective. Every time that we see something that comes into us, we know it's from God. And then we offer a portion of it back in worship and thanks for what he's doing in our lives. So it's this incredible, um, you know, just reminder when we have routine and frequency, just like other spiritual disciplines. So I would say, you know, just as a reminder, when faithful giving, frequently and routinely, as the Lord provides for us, we faithfully give back to him. Okay, so those are the first three questions, the who, what, and when. Now we're going to get into why. Why would we do this? Why do we do this? Here's the big picture for me around why we do this. Because obedience always leads to blessing. Obedience always leads to blessing. And I think one of the interesting blessings that when we give, we get to see God convert our worldly currency, whatever it is, whatever church you're in, whatever country you're in, he converts our worldly currency into kingdom currency. Such a cool concept. And, and so I think, uh, let's, I want to come back to that Malachi chapter. So why don't we all go there, at least. I know we will, We're going to park here for just a little bit longer. So you won't, you won't regret turning to the page, you know, right? Because we're flying through so many other scriptures. But I'm going to read a little bit uh, the passage we read, and then I'm going to add two verses after that as well, the 11 and 12. So this is chapter 3, verses 6 through 12 of Malachi. For I, the Lord, do not change... Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Return to me, and I will return to you. It's such a gracious thing, right? These people were not obeying God. And he's just saying, return to me, and I will open up the spigots of heaven. I will give you all this blessing. You know, earlier in Malachi, in chapter 1, you see that the Israelites were offering polluted offerings as well. It wasn't just that they weren't bringing in the full tithe. The offerings they were bringing in were blind and blemished Animals, totally contrary to what God commanded them to do around bringing their pure spotless offering, they were just corrupt they were doing that because those animals were worth less than the other ones, and they didn't want to give away their good ones, they wanted to give away their blemished ones and and so you have this this kind of heart where they were trying to to kind of chintz out as much as they could people they were robbing God, he says, um, but in an amazing gift uh, of grace he just says. Look, return to me, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless you in, in return. Um, now, I don't think God always blesses people the same way when they give. Like, in this case, he was ta- talking to them about uh, how he was going to bless them. He was going to open the windows of heaven. He was going to rebuke the devourer so that they wouldn't destroy their, their work, their crops. He was going to uh, allow them to be more bountiful, No, I think that God can do that, certainly. And I've heard so many stories where God has done that in people's lives who have contributed and they've been faithful and sacrificial and then God meets them in these sorts of ways. Certainly, there's tons of stories like that. Um, I'm thankful I'm still driving a 2006 car that I've never done anything more than just put, you know, oil changes on. And I just feel like God's, this week I was just reflecting on this and going, God's preserved that car. So, somewhat supernaturally, in, in many cases, I'm sure, just that it hasn't broke down. You know, God can do that. He can steer you clear from bad investment choices. He can steer you towards good investment choices. He can just give you unexpected income. That can happen, but that's not necessarily the promise. He can do that. He's good enough and gracious enough to do some of those things. But there's just other obedience that comes, or blessing that comes from obedience, right? And some of that, uh, some of that blessing can be just a close relationship and walk with God, it could be great relationships with the people around you. It could be a sense of peace. You know, when you give, one of the things that happens too is you, you have an ability to just lose the distractions of the world. You know, like you just, you get freed from some of the worldly stuff that's, that consumes other people. What a blessing that is. Sometimes we don't even see that. We think, oh, it's only going to come back as, a, you know, a money exchange. No, no, no. God can bless us in some really amazing ways. He can do some really cool things in us and in our hearts. And so we're called to just trust him in this, obey in this, find out how God wants to bless you in a number of different ways. And this this is where that idea of currency exchange came into my mind around the blessing of seeing God do this. So we tend to think really dollars and cents. We think a gift of a dollar is one-tenth the size of a gift of ten dollars, And so that the impact of that $1 is one-tenth the impact of that $10. And I don't think that's right. I don't think that's right. And here's why. It's because I think God is able to convert a faithful, sacrificial gift to do kingdom work, no matter how big that dollar and cents is. We think in dollars and cents. God thinks in kingdom thoughts, right? He likes faithful, sacrificial giving. And then he, you let him do that work, right? You let him do that work. And so um, that's why this idea of currency exchange comes into to play. And I just love this example in Mark chapter 12. So I wanted to turn to there because it's a, it's a familiar story, but this concept of uh, currency exchange really c- comes to life for me in this verse, in this chapter. So chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. And he, this is Jesus, sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him, and he said to them, truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all that she had to live on. She put in more, two small copper coins that make a penny versus all the large sums of money that all these other people were putting in the offering box. Well, I think, well, why? What was the kingdom work that was accomplished through that? She became an instructor of the disciples of Jesus. He used her to instruct them, to show them the way that he was looking for. She gets recorded in scripture so that then we're instructed by her. So those two small copper coins become kingdom currency for anyone who's been encouraged by that. God uses this example to go and do amazing work across the globe for centuries because of her obedience in this, right? That's the kind of thing that starts to come to life as you have people who uh, give and God uses this for kingdom work. I um, think about spiritual gifts, uh, you know, that sometimes people think, you know, Paul even addresses it in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He, uh, People have spiritual gifts and they say, well, this gift is more important than this gift. And, you know, this one's more visible than this one. And so, uh, and he's like, no, we need everybody's spiritual gifts together so that the body of Christ can come together and actually deliver the ministry that we're trying to get done here. So he affirms that you know, the the seeming importance on the surface and the human way of thinking and the physical world, that doesn't, that doesn't actually translate into what God's looking for. He's looking for anyone to obediently share their spiritual gifts with the whole congregation so the church can be fulfilled in its mission. And I think the same is true as giving. He's calling all of us to be part of it, whether it's small dollars and cents or big dollars and cents. If we're faithfully, sacrificially giving, God's going to use that. And he's going to use it for his kingdom work. He's going to convert that currency and do amazing things. You know, if you think about this building, the saints who came before us, who contributed to this congregation, we have this awesome building to be, you know, celebrating worship in this morning. We have pastors on staff that are fantastic pastors. We have technology that allows us to stream this service and, 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 touch people all over the place if they can't be here or just who find us in different ways it's been interesting listening to mark's share about how many people get tied into our church because we're able to stream that takes that was physical resources that was that's being converted into kingdom currency right people are being changed the gospel is going out we have a kitchen downstairs where we can serve meals together and minister to the people around us we have a baptistry right here, where people can publicly confess their faith in Christ, their new faith in Christ. We shared it with a church that didn't have that, right? We were able to do that. This was something, what a blessing that the people of God who were here before us, who contributed to the, to the kingdom, this physical currency, is, it's being converted into kingdom currency for years after that, right? So this is the idea. We just have these, We have these things, and we can continue in that. So, One of the uh, yeah, so one of the many blessings of giving includes seeing uh, the privilege of witnessing God convert a worldly kingdom in the uh, kingdom currency. All right, so those are the the questions that I think uh, who, what, when, and why. The next two are a little bit more practical, hopefully, and it's supposed and they're going to answer the questions where and how. So where do I give, and how do I make this happen? Okay. So the where, here's what I would like to say, is I think the local church is our primary place of giving. With well-deserving other ministries, certainly as you're led by God to to give to those ministries. But one of the, so outside of extraordinary circumstances, your local church body should be your primary recipient of the giving. Now why might I say that? It's kind of a little edgy of a statement, right? Especially since we're sitting in a local church. (laughs) Why would I say that? Well, I just think uh, there's a number of things here. One is uh, you see some scriptural examples. I listed one there. We're not going to read it, but it's in Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 20. Paul is commending the Philippians for their support of him as he's investing in that church, and he just commends them for their gifting and their, their investment back in him so he can continue the ministry. There's this example of just providing for those who provide for you, right? And so that, that's one of the reasons why I think. There's, a, um, I think, another reason... And, uh, sorry, I'm just going to flip over here. This is one of the things you get when you're not very good at this. You get lost sometimes. So when you give, you uh, actually, in a local church setting, you get to participate more than just with your money, your treasure, you come together with your time and your talent and it's, and it's this ability to minister collectively, right? So it's not just I'm going to send a check to someone else and hope they all do the work and you know, we'll see what, see what happens over there. It, it's really around, hey, we're, we're contributing to this local body because this is where God's at move. His kingdom is at work. We're training people up. We're discipling people. People are coming to know the Lord. And we have an opportunity to not just be part of that financially but to be serving here to be contributing to that in different ways, right? To put our time and energy. So when we have different events that are going on here or different ministries like I want, it's not just here. Here's the, the little bit of money that you can go buy some stuff for the kids. It's around, hey, I'm gonna invest in those kids. I'm gonna see them come to the Lord. I'm gonna disciple them. I'm gonna grow them. And I'm gonna be part of this whole overarching ministry that's taking place here. So it's this concept around, it just becomes a place where you can be more active and God's kingdom is active. So we wanna be active. In it, okay. Um, So I think one of the things that you should know too about this church is that we actually practice being a generous church. We don't just take everything that comes in and use it only for the ministries that we are doing here at this church. We actually um, we support many of the local ministries here. You might hear of uh, the Lighthouse Mission. Many of you might be familiar with that. That's a ministry that we faithfully and routinely. Give to as a church. There's many missionaries that count on us for faithful, routine giving month by month for them to continue their ministry in hard places. So this church practices giving, and more than, by the way, just the tithe. (laughs) More than just the tithe. The other day uh, at the elder meeting, we had a, a request that came through. So if you remember many months ago, the immersion church was a church plant from uh, the same uh, congregation group that we kind of support, the, the Converge group. And they were planning a church down in Mount Vernon. And so they came and they were talking about, you know, how they were getting started and they wanted to let us know so we could pray for them and we could help with the service to them and we could help contribute to their needs. And we did that many months ago. And they got kicked off and they have a great building that they've been working on um, you can see here is a picture of our trailer there as uh, different work teams went down there to go support Immersion Church and help contribute to there. But they came back just recently and they said, hey, we're we're just in a tight spot right now for a number of different reasons. And, and so we're just looking to see if you guys would be willing to contribute with us because we just really need this help at the beginning, really critical stages of our ministry. Can you guys help us out? So as elders, we said, you know what? We have funds that have been generously provided by people in our church in what's called a missions fund uh, the ability to support our missionaries and stuff come in, but also this, this ability to be generous where God's working in the community to be able to contribute to those things. And so we had this ability to give a gift to immersion church as an encouragement to them and say, we're still here. You know, let us know how we can help you. Um, we, it, it may not be a huge gift, but again, it's more about what God's going to do with that and how God's going to encourage that congregation. And he can use that and do some amazing things. And so we just trust God in that. We said, God, this is what we have to give. Thank you for the gifts that have come in. We're going to give part of that back to, to people who are looking to be blessed. And uh, this is one way we can do that. So, so you're in a church that practices this. And it's a church that um, I just encourage you to think about, you know, where you're given and is the local church a primary part of that? And if not, uh, just ask God to kind of work, uh, to really consider that, right, to, to see what he leads you to do there. Okay, so then the, the last point is really around how. How do you do this? How do you do this? Um, so I say here, prioritize using a spending plan, review periodically, an increase in small increments over time, like other spiritual disciplines, you know this faithful sacrificial and joyful giving, it takes intentional time and effort it doesn't just happen on its own you don't just say someday you hear a sermon on prayer and you decide i 'm going to be the prayer warrior and i 'm going to sit and pray for two hours a day you know every day and praying scripture back to God, and it's going to be this great thing and then like the first day you're like. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> you got to you know you work you work at it. You get training. You sit with people who know how to pray and you and you work together with them and you pray with them and you just grow in your sense of ability to pray, right? Same kind of concept I think in giving. It, you start. You start somewhere, right? There's so many different resources out there that can help people think about, okay, where are you at now? Where are you at? And where do you want to go? And they You can start taking methodical steps to get from where you're at to where you want to go. There are people who um, God has graciously gifted in the ability of being generous. You can find some of those folks, and you can start to get them to uh, work with you. Find someone you trust and just say, hey, I really would, I think I need some help here. Can you help me? If you don't know where to go, contact Mark, at the church, contact one of the elders. We'll, we'll try and find a way to help you. But here's the point. It doesn't, it's not going to happen by itself, right? You've got to kind of work at it. And then challenge yourself. Stretch yourself. If you've been artificially kind of capping yourself at 10% and it really has just become the thing and it's been that way for decades, maybe it's time to just push yourself a little bit. God, I know it's going to be sacrificial. I want to see you do something really cool in my life, and and through the through this faithful act of giving, I'm going to try eleven or twelve or thirteen percent next year. I'm going to just see what you do, right? It's just uh, just this concept of just letting God challenge you, grow you in this area, and uh, and work on it just with methodical discipline, just kind of work on it a little bit at a time. Okay. So um, those are the questions. Um, In summary, I think you just kind of see this picture that God's people from the very beginning through now were called to sacrificial, joyful, faithful giving. And we're given the privilege of seeing God convert that worldly currency into kingdom currency. Why don't we pray? So God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for these examples of just your grace working in people's lives. Lord, thank you for the challenge. Um, No matter where we're at, Lord, we have um, your Holy Spirit that can help guide us and think about next steps and, um, Lord, how to apply this. Lord, we're just so thankful that your scripture is uh, practical, that it meets us where we're at, And uh, we just thank you this morning for the opportunity to dig in, to connect with one another, and to, uh, to study your word together. So Lord, as we go, we just pray that you would be honored and blessed in our hearts, in our actions, and in our attitudes. And we pray in your name, amen. Thank you.